0: I need every last sip of that thing. All right. good, morning. good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you guys. I, I'm really, uh, and I mean that, it, it, I think Ian said it last night, or someone said it last night, it, it has been a long time coming. We have tried this to get here uh, multiple times, it just hasn't happened. And I think even just being here these uh, this last day or two, uh, I guess we got in Boston on Wednesday, right, Simon? Is that Wednesday? And uh, in, in hearing stories, uh, particularly—I uh, want to honor a few people— Dave Hill Sr. Uh, from your son, and he was just uh, honoring the heck out of you and just how you served uh, the city of, of Boston. <laughs> just, uh, just, the, just the faithfulness of it all, and uh, just hearing about the uh, Henry Cooley— yeah. Talking to him last night, and I mean, the, the the amount of change that's happened in configurations of the church you're a part of,
1: you're Right. yeah,
0: but you are the constant uh, yeah. since 1982, <laughs> just serving that area that, you know, it doesn't matter what the form is, doesn't matter what yeah. the method is, doesn't matter what the way is, uh, but just the faithfulness that both of you have served, yeah. uh, uh, that that area of the world is just phenomenal, and I just mm-hmm. love it. Hearing about that, and, and, and he was he was uh, singing the praises of Zili. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this is
0: just. I mean, I mean, there's more to talk about in this room. I know that. Um, but just hearing about the the commitment to Jesus, um, uh, the lack of bitterness. Is a miracle in itself, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean that because, because yeah. what has happened to them, but just it's just hard. It's tough, and and I was so, I'm so inspired by that and encouraged by that. Uh, so it is really a privilege for me to be uh, amongst uh, such a, a wonderful group of people. And I already said that last night, just about how you guys are so uh, passionate and committed to the nation is remarkable. At times, if I mean, if I could even say this, and this is not a criticism, sometimes it feels reckless. And, uh, like, wow, like, you know, think about yourselves a little bit. And, uh, and but man, it's just inspiring. Yeah. And um, and more, and just, I mean, just you guys hearing about Kenya last night. It's just like, you guys, I, I kind of hesitated to even mention that because I know you guys, if I, if you guys would bleed for that and, and be compassionate for that. Uh, but it's just it's just so impressive. Um, for those who don't mean, know me, I've been leading the Jubilee Church for 17 years, I, I, but I, I was never the type that wanted to um, be a, a part of a church, really, much less uh, lead a church. I did not go to youth groups or college ministries or anything like that. I've never come forward when the call for the church plan, it it's something that, that God got a hold of me. I went to the University of Missouri uh, and um, and this is not a discredit to her, but in, in the 90s, sorry, don't think lowly of her after this. Um, in the 90s, I mean, Mizzou was known for two things. It was known for its journalism school, and it was known it was one of a big party school. So the only reason why you go to Mizzou is to study journalism or to party. And I was a business major, and so we, uh, <laughs> um, so that's what I was up to. And it was my senior year, and I was March '98. I remember it like it's yesterday. So, was that 24 years ago? Is that right, math people? 24 years. Okay. The uh, I uh, I was just in my in my my apartment. I was all by myself. My roommates were gone. It was like spring break. I was I was feeling depressed. just mainly just about. was trying to do my my own thing, but my own thing wasn't working and um there's this bible that my parents had gotten me um about a year and a half ago for christmas it was leather bound it had my name on it it was still in the box it was still in the wrapper and i i didn't i don't know why i did it but i just opened it up and i didn't know uh where to start really so i just started reading you know you you know you'd grown up you kind of know that the gospels are a big deal and you know psalms and proverbs and so i just started reading psalms and i got to psalm 81 psalm 81:10, and it's this place where it says open your mouth wide and i'll fill it yes. and, and in that moment in that moment uh... two things happened because when i heard that you know you hear people say things like you know like oh i read that verse it kind of jumped off the page or kind of grabbed me and, and, and it was that moment in fact um, when I read that, it was almost like I, I was not just reading it, but I was hearing it. And, and I literally thought that God was in the room. I remember actually looking up in the ceiling, thinking like, "Well, you know, maybe, I think He might actually to be here." And there's a couple things about that moment. Number one, it was the first time in my life that I knew that I knew that I knew, not, you know, not just up here, but it, like deep in my knower, that he was real. Right. And that was the first thing. The second thing was that it, it was like this invitation. Because if you go on, if you, if you read on in Psalm 81, verse 11 and so on, it says, you know, but my people were stiff-necked. You know, I wanted to feed them with the honey and, and give them all good kind of things. but They were stiff-necked, stiff-necked, and they resisted me. And I just kind of had this, it wasn't me, but I just kind of felt this like, revelation before me, like, Okay, I've been given a choice here. I'm being given, I, can go, I can go with him, or I can kind of do my own thing, and he's kind of like letting me see something that, that maybe I hadn't seen before or really paid much attention to. And, and in that moment, I just said yes to him. And, and that yes has made a lot of decisions for me in my life, uh, one of which is being in front of you. And uh, just to say, yeah, I want, I want, I want to open my, my life uh, to him, I want to open my 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 world to him, and and anything he asks me to do, I'm going to do it. I, I very much relate to um, uh, Mother Teresa. You know, she was like the person of the century, and that time. I remember reading that Time magazine around that time. It was a little bit after that, I guess 2000, and they asked her like, Hey, what 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 enabled you to to really transform, you know, a city, a a, a nation, a generation, a century, really? And she said it in 1949 as a frail school teacher. Um, I decided uh, to do his bidding and do, to do it without delay. I decided to essentially say yes to him. And, and then he just kind of opened everything. And I feel that way. I mean, my life is a total shock to me. You know, just every day there's someone to love, someone to pray for, someone to care for. And that's what he talks about, right? Ephesians 2.10, you know, before the foundations of the world, when was that, I don't know, a long time ago, he... <laughs> predestined that we would walk in these good works, yeah. and just by saying yes to him. And, and what I want to talk about is, I don't want to say they're like learnings from the past couple of years, because that's probably not exactly true, but Sam kind of hinted on this um, a bit uh, in in the prophetic word that he gave about this shakening that we've received, and and. And this was a, a a prophetic word that came to to our church early on in the pandemic. I'm taking you back to 2020, Anybody Feel like doing that? Okay. And um, the and and I know this was a prophetic word that I think probably was sensed and felt by a lot of uh, churches and and God's people, which I think is worth paying attention to. But it's it's out of Hebrews and it says, and once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate that. Uh, Indicate the removing of what can be shaken—that is, things—so that what cannot be shaken may remain. That God's going to shake some things, and so kind of divide some things. And we've we've seen that. I mean, even in families, unfortunately, like you know, whether it's whether it's politics or whether it's cultural issues or whatever the the pandemic and how to address it. I mean, people were shaken, and uh, people questioned their allegiances to a lot of things. And, and God has a, a plan and a purpose in that, and to 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 really get down to uh, what He wants to do in our lives. And there are three things I want to talk to you about today that I think are, I think the, as Christians that we uniquely have right. So, like Jesus, He comes and He teaches the Sermon on the Mount and says, "Hey, I'm calling you to be a different kind of person. Uh, it's not like the world, and it's not like religion. It's something completely different." And there are three things I want to talk about today that that I think if we can get a hold on, if we can lead our churches into, they will stand both in contrast to uh, the world that we live in, but they'll also be radically appealing because I think it's something uh, that, that people want to, and it's rest, um, it, it's, it's purpose, and it's freedom. Actually, let me do them in order uh, that I'm going to talk Rest, freedom, and purpose. So I'm going to talk uh, uh, about rest. And in August of, of 2020, this is today rest, this morning, excuse me. Let me have another cup of coffee. All
1: right.
0: In uh, August 2020, a good friend of mine, he was turning 40, he's, he's a little younger than me, and, and for his birthday, he wanted all of us to go out to Colorado uh, to climb what I now know is a 14er. And, um, and uh, I had mixed feelings about this, because on one hand, I'd never done it before, and it sounded interesting, but on the other hand... <laughs> It's a steep decline, right? And you're walking up a steep decline, and who wants to do that? And uh, so we walk... We walk... I'd rather sit Why we, we walk. We, so we walk from the car to the trailhead, and and then from the trailhead to where the it begins to incline. It might have been a quarter mile, and I literally couldn't catch my breath after a quarter of a mile. My kids are like halfway up the mountain already, and I am like... I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, there's no way I should be struggling this much. And this is not good news, by the way, as you're looking up to the top of 14,000-foot... I simply could not catch my breath. And I don't know about you, but this is the kind of the way that I felt about six to eight weeks into the quarantine, going back to 2020. And I found it frustrating. Despite the fact that I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't do anything... I couldn't see anyone, I still was not at rest. No no matter how many times I watched the last dance on my couch, (laughs) I could not find any rest. I don't know if you've ever been there, or maybe you're there now, like you're trying to find rest, and you can't get rest. And so that has got me thinking, like maybe it's not physical rest that we need, Uh, maybe it's uh, emotional rest, because prior to the pandemic, I mean, this would be common to me anyway, people, oh, Brian, you're doing too much, you're doing too much, and, and I just thought I was tired because I was, I needed to rest more, but maybe it wasn't a physical rest, it was an emotional rest, an inside rest, uh, a soul rest, because even when the activity stopped, we were still tired. In fact, I felt more tired. I felt more exhausted. I'm like, I'm not doing anything, but I'm still tired. I'm still tired. So how do we get soul rest? And that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. And that brings us to our text. And I have two texts, which um, is very uh, rare for me. I, I just like speaking from one text, but but they they are two texts that I actually think are the same. They are two invitations that I think are the same, and it's how we find rest in Jesus. I'm going to read these for you, and I think we have them on the screen as well. Um, the first one is from Matthew 11:28. 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And now we're going to skip over to Luke 9. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. If you you have your own Bible, I I would underline that word daily. (laughs) Daily. And follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever would... Lose his life for my sake, we'll save it. For what does a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? So how to take a real rest starts with denying yourself. Now, denying yourself in our English language in 2022, in our Western world, it sounds a lot like self-help. Okay, deny yourself. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. No more ice cream. No more Netflix. I'm going to limit my phone time. Deny yourself. Like, limit yourself from what you want to do. You know, I'm going to deny myself. And and a lot of people think of Christianity that way. That's what it means to be a Christian, is that you... Deny yourself. There's a list of rules of things that you do and you don't do, and so you deny yourself of oh, what's really fun, what's really enjoyable, what you really want to do. You know, there's something in you that's, that's just breaming uh, to get out of you this creativity, and so you need to deny that to take on another list of rules. Well, if you take that phrase and you go back like hundreds and hundreds of years, you realize that in the nation of Israel, God. Uh, built to to demonstrate to his people, his character, his love, his care, he instituted something called Sabbath. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, as you guys know, in the Old Testament, there were three different covenants or uh, arrangements, Uh, the covenant with Noah, Abraham, and and Moses, Noahic, Abrahamic, and Mosaic. Now, with the Mosaic covenant, the, the covenant he made with with Moses, he instituted the thing called Sabbath. Sabbath is a 24 hour period where the children of, of Israel, the, the Jewish people, they did absolutely nothing. They did absolutely nothing. It was a day to worship and acknowledge that while they did nothing, listen, God did everything. God did everything. That's important. That's really important to understanding. Sabbath and the kind of rest that God would want to bring you into. Sabbath was not a break from doing something unnecessary. Sabbath was releasing control over what was necessary. They lived in a culture where you had to work seven days to eat seven days. And they had to trust that they would be better provided for In working six days versus working seven days. Those of you, I mean, I don't know if there's any type A's in the room. Like, I get told all the time you're doing too much. Stop, Brian. Stop doing these things and take a break. I cannot take a break (laughs) if there's still stuff to do. (laughs) You telling me to take a break does me no good unless this stuff over here it's taken, it's care of. So, uh, my wife is beautiful, amazing, smart, creative. And one of the things that she gets, she, uh, uh, that that she can't rest. It, it's it's about the kitchen. I mean, the car can be a mess. Other places can be a mess, but the kitchen cannot be a mess. And so she, every meal, like she's just like it. It, it, me- it means nothing if we just say to Rachel hey, don't worry about the kitchen tonight. Just go take a break. She can only take a break. She can take a break to the degree that she has confidence in me and my kids that we would do as good of a job as (laughs) (laughs) you. Then she can rest. Her ability to connect... Uh, her ability to rest is connected to her trust that we will do a good job. What makes Sabbath a day of rest is not simply that you don't do anything. Because in the quarantine, we did nothing. And we were exhausted. What makes Sabbath a day of rest isn't that you simply do not do anything, is that you are trusting that He is doing everything on your behalf. To simply stop activity without trusting that someone else to fill the gap is actually not caring. I mean, that's what we felt. How can we rest when our loved ones are vulnerable? How can we rest when there's, you know, economic uh, turmoil? How can we rest when all these things of injustice are happening? How can we rest? Well, we're trusting that while we're doing nothing, God is doing nothing everything. To deny yourself is not to give up caring, but it's to give up striving that you trust that God will be working on your behalf. It's about yes. yielding your ability in the wake of God's ability, and that's the invitation that we get here. Now, what's interesting here, and takes this up a notch, is that while, you know, in, in the history of the biblical narrative, the Sabbath is once a week, Jesus is saying that this is something that we are meant to experience daily.
1: Mm.
0: This is something we are meant to experience. And the reason is because we understand, and we know this in this room, um, that the teachings of Scripture based on the death, that the teaching of Scripture, all of it is based upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus fulfilled absolutely in every rule and requirement of the Noahic, the Abrahamic, and the Mosaic Covenant, which is to say specifically that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. So now this rigorous adherence to Sabbath, this 24-hour period, has now been transformed and changed and fulfilled by Jesus. He has become our Sabbath, and I've got good news for all of us in this room. Every day is meant to be a day of rest That is why it says, daily, to deny yourself daily, Sabbath daily, rest in Jesus daily. How do you follow Jesus? You learn to rest in Jesus na- daily, and you acknowledge His cross as your own. So it, with the rest of our time here, I want to dig in, in in the ways that we trust Jesus to take a real rest. And when we learn to do this, this will be absolutely and diametrically opposed. Everything that we see in culture, it will be different, we will not do as they do. In fact, that was the whole point of taking Sabbath. You are not to be like the other nations. Mm-hmm. We will f- have a rest that the world cannot and will not experience unless they come and do as we do, which is to follow Jesus. deny ourselves daily, pick up our cross, and follow him. It is a rest that is unique to those who follow Jesus. So this daily practice, so if, we, if you and I can practice this, and we can lead our churches into this, a daily practice of loving, following. What does it look like to worship Jesus? What does it look like to Well, it looks a lot like rest. It looks like. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It looks like rest. The great hallmarks is trusting, relying, letting go of control, letting go of leadership, and trusting God in three areas. Number one, we need to trust in the work of Jesus. Christians are those who trust in His work. To deny yourself means to let go of what you do, what you've done, what you've tried to do, what you've accomplished, or the identity that you've received from whatever it is that you've accomplished, to let go of that and to trust in the work of Jesus. One of the seven statements Jesus said while hanging six hours on that cross between two thieves, he says, it is finished. What is finished?
1: Mm -hmm. The work
0: is finished. The work of Jesus is finished. The work that we could not do for ourselves, Jesus did for us. He didn't just pay for our sin, which we all have committed, but it says that he became our sin. Second Corinthians 5 21, for, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Your relationship with God, as you know, has nothing to do with your work. Learning to rest means to understand that Jesus did this work for you. It has everything to do with His work. We are those who don't trust in our performance. We trust in the performance of Jesus. We let go of ego. We let go of identity. We let go of worth. And am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I posting the right thing? Am I acting the way I'm supposed to act? <laughs> we rest and trust in the way, in the work of Jesus. Our worth, our identity, our confidence, our security, it all comes from Jesus. I must be something because He came and took on flesh, and He walked this earth. He tabernacled with us, and He went to the cross for me. He paid the ultimate price and penalty for my sin, which grants to me and credits to me righteousness. That's who I am. That's my identity. That's my word. That's what I rely on, rest on, lean on, His work. No longer do I define myself from what I've done, what I've accomplished. I define myself by what He has done for me on the cross, outside of me, without my permission, in history, 2,000 years ago, while we were still sinners, Mm -hmm. Christ died for us. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's not about what I know. It's not about how smart I am. It's not about uh, who I know. I rest in His work. Let me tell you some good news about your sin. Your sin, things that you do that you shouldn't, things that you don't do that you should, your sin does not compare does not measure up to the work of Jesus. Your sin has been forgiven. Your sin has been forgotten. It has been swallowed up by Jesus. And now our ministry, and this is important, especially for those who communicate, for those who who preach, our message isn't to remind people of their failure, nor is it to act like we don't have them. It is to rest and declare the good news that Jesus is greater than our sin. And we are a community of people who demonstrate what it looks like to be totally surrendered to God. And one of the hallmarks of being totally surrendered to God looks like rest in the work of Jesus. We rest in the work of Jesus and we rest in the way of Jesus. Galatians 6.14 Far be it from me, Paul says, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. The world means the ways of the world, how the world functions, what it values, how it behaves. This has all been crucified to me. This has all been like, it's all like a dead corpse to me. It has nothing to offer to me. The world has been crucified. It's just a dead corpse to me. It has nothing to offer me. And then he says this, which is interesting, I've been crucified to the world. So the world looks at me and sees the same thing. No value, no esteem. I no longer crave the results and recognition that the world craves because I'm yielded to the way of Jesus. I don't seek to control my outcome. I'm not craving for these results. I'm not craving for recognition Uh, And compare. this all leads to comparison, which is where the exhaustion comes in. Because there's always going to be somebody better. There's always going to be somebody prettier, sharper, more likes, more follows. Which is why it leads us to this place. I don't know if you felt this in 2020. What's wrong with me? Am I saying the right thing? Am I posting the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? The person who rests doesn't get caught up in that. But it understands but the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I will not want it. He's in control. He's sovereign. He's the captain of my ship. I'm not seeking to, to c- control what I do. James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go in this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why do you, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say if the Lord will we will live and do this or that. What, he is, what is James saying here? He's saying that a life of rest means to live with an open-handed approach to your everyday schedule and life and plans organization. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into a little bit of more of this tonight but it's to mm-hmm. give up control of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we live in a society that just it, it just assumes that we should be able to control. That's why we're so shocked when, and so devastated by death, really. We're just like, we shouldn't die. We're immortal. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> and we're so shocked. beyond any other culture, we are just so shocked by it and so horrified by, by it when it when it happens in our, in our, and we have devices like this. I read the other day that we touch our phone. The average person, the average person, the average person, the average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. We touch, we have this, we have this innate desire to try to control our life. And, and we feel like this helps us. I wonder how many of you just instinctively touched your phone just to see where it was.
1: Right. <laughs> me
0: too. <laughs> Psalms, here's another way. Psalm 16.8 says this. This is not on the screen. I set the Lord ever before me. Not I set my phone ever before me. I, I set the Lord
1: ever before me.
0: What would it look like? What would it look like if we allowed God to touch us? as much as we touch our
1: phone
0: that we're setting the Lord ever before us. We resting in his with we rest in his in his uh, works and his way and we also rest in his wisdom. First Corinthians 2 uh, Paul says this. When I came to you brothers and sisters, I didn't come to you with lofty speech or wisdom. For he says, I decided, please hear this. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling in my speech of my message were not possible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. One translation says, I am determined to be consumed with one topic. I'm going to be consumed with one topic. What does it mean? How do you rest in the wisdom of Jesus? Is that your life is consumed with one topic. Does it mean that there are not other topics? Does it mean that you don't acknowledge that there are other things, important things, to discuss? But the primary topic... The thing that you are obsessed with is Christ, and Christ crucified. Paul is a very bright man. Now, I don't know if he can get into darkness, but he was very,
1: <laughs>
0: he was very bright. Well above his peers. And yet, he, he says in another portion of Scripture that all of the knowledge is like garbage compared to knowing Jesus.
1: Amen, amen. This is a very
0: bright guy saying this. Very, very intellectual guy. It's all worthless compared to this. He was consumed with one topic. Consumed with one topic. This is very relevant as we, I don't know if you feel this pressure. I feel this pressure to be an expert on everything. (laughs) What about this topic, Brian? What about this topic? What are you going to say about this? What about that? And it better be right and nuanced. And with you know, what I don't you know, every time I say something, I do mean. I have to say about a hundred things that I don't mean.
1: Jesus. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was a time in in the when Jesus was calling his disciples. Um, And Philip. You know, he gets all excited because Andrew shows him Jesus, and, and, then, and then Philip's all excited. And he goes to his friend Nathaniel and says, Come on! And, 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 and uh, Nathaniel has all these questions. And one of his big questions is like, Nazareth, what good can come out of Nazareth? Mm-hmm. Philip's like, I don't know! <laughs> Why don't you come and see? I would To be obsessed with one topic, one person, let's say, It's like, man, people are going to have questions. It's okay to say, you know what, I don't know. But the Bible says, hey, you can taste and see that the Lord is good. The wisdom is to be consumed by one topic. And what Paul's really getting at here with the Corinthians, he says, I don't want my sermons, I don't want what I say to hit you in a way of like, oh man, that's really smart, that's really wise, that's really crafty, wow, look how Those things are, I'm going to try those three things. I'm going to to try those five things. I heard one pastor say, you know, we want to create a community where even if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll still get something out of what we do. I just want to say, if you come to my church and you don't get Jesus, you'll get nothing out of it. Like, there's no wisdom that you'll get that you'll be able to apply in your life that isn't Christ and Christ crucified. Paul's like, if you want to be left with what... I'm done talking about. I want you to be left with the person of Jesus. I don't want you to be left left with principles. I don't want you to be left with ideas and and, and thoughts and and programs. I want you, when it's all said and done, I want there to be a big, bright light on the person and the work and the way and the wisdom of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. Psalm 73, maybe you'll relate to this. He he goes on. He's trying to understand the, the psalmist. It's it, it's not the it's not David. It's a, it's some other psalmist. And he's I should have looked that up before. I, anyway, um, you'll tell me later. Um, someone always tells me later. By the way, isn't that the great thing about preaching? Every, you get you get corrected by so many people. who are just you're trying to be helpful, and so we. Um, Sorry, I wasn't criticizing you specifically. Um, <laughs> so he's trying to figure out things. He's trying to figure out the world and how the world works and how things work. And he gets to the he gets his place in the middle of the song, and he says, "I found this to be a wearisome task."
1: Yeah. Now I'm
0: someone who likes to know what's around the corner before I get around it. I, I think about what I do a lot. I think one of my spiritual gifts actually is wisdom. I know it's kind of a that's just thing to say, but you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, I like that. I, I, I like it. So he says, when I'm trying to figure this out, it's a wearisome task. And, and I felt that in the I backfield now. And it says, I, I saw it was a wearisome task. And then it says, until. I got into this sanctuary of the
1: Lord.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is He saying? He's saying, He's saying, look, if you try to figure out, if you try to figure out life with your own wisdom, it's just going to wear you down. Mm-hmm. But then you get into the presence of the Lord, your focus is on Jesus. That's what it says. Hebrews, author of Hebrews, says, run this race with endurance, eyes fixed on. Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He who began a good work will complete. So anyway, so he wants us to be left with Jesus, and this reminds me of a very strange scene in the life of Jesus called the Mounted Transfiguration, and I'll end with this. I'll end with this. Jesus, if you know this story, Jesus, Jesus takes three of his disciples on a hike I don't know if he was a 14er or not. Um, but it, I don't know if he did the thing I did, but anyway. Um, he takes him to the top of the mountain. He starts to pray. And guys do what guys normally do uh, when they're in a prayer meeting, and they fall asleep, right? And so, Or if you're from New York, you go out and get something to eat. Anyway, so we... Uh, we really should stop doing that. I shouldn't say that. Um, the, uh, so they fall When they wake up, um, they wake up to a bit of a phenomenon. And, and Jesus' clothes are like brilliantly white. His face is shining. He's transcendent. But suddenly, they realize that Jesus is with these two heroes in the Hebrew world none other than Moses and Elijah. And they were having this conversation. And so. Uh, They—I don't know if they all wake up, but we know that Peter, for sure, wakes up and he sees this conversation happening, and he sees that it's Moses and Elijah, these people who died hundreds of years ago. They're, you know, transferred from another universe called eternity, you know, another dimension called eternity, and they're talking. And do you know what they're talking about? They were talking about how Jesus was going to fulfill all the things that they taught about and did. Hallelujah. Elijah, the great prophet, the great orator of wisdom and predictions, Moses, the great receiver of the law and leader. They were all they were everything that they did and everything that they said, Jesus fulfilled that. Now Peter sees this happening, and I think he does what we do today. So Peter sees Moses, he sees Elijah, he sees Jesus, and he thinks to himself, this is awesome. I've got like my three heroes all together, I mean peers almost. And he says, Jesus, it is good that I'm here. What I want to do is I want to build three shelters, three tents, three tabernacles, three memorials, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one... For you. In other words, Jesus, it's good that I'm here. It's good that Moses is here because now it's like Jesus plus the Ten Commandments. Let's honor Jesus and let's honor the Ten Commandments. And it's Elijah. It's Jesus plus prophecy, knowledge, predictions. Let's honor Jesus and let's honor knowledge. And Peter does here what seems like a good idea. Like, let's not miss how good of an idea it looks to what Peter does. It's like Jesus plus knowledge. Jesus, plus rules. Jesus, plus tradition. Jesus, plus my political affiliation. Jesus, plus my retirement. Jesus, plus an ideal living condition. Jesus, plus my career. Jesus, plus wisdom. The law and the prophets are talking to the fulfillment of the law and prophets. The law and prophets are talking to the fulfiller of the law and prophets, and Peter thinks they're peers. And just to send a message loud and clear anyone willing to read this book, Jesus is there, and God the Father sends a thick cloud or fog or something like that and settles over. Moses and Elijah, to send a message overtly. This is not about Moses. This is not about Elijah or the law or knowledge. There will be no memorials. There will be no memorials to a man or anything made by a man. This is about one who is the unique path to the deep rest that your soul is looking for. And then the cloud list, and guess who's not there, Moses or Elijah? Guess who's not there, the wisdom of men, rules, knowledge, regulations, empty principles removed from a person named Jesus. They're all gone. And if I could be so bold to say, God, give us that cloud again. Help us to focus again. Help us to see the only person, the only thing that we need. We don't need, our, we don't need to work We don't need a different way. We don't need a different wisdom. We need the person of Jesus, not to get caught up in the wisdom of the world, and as the church, and as Christians, and all that we do, not just to be dispensers of knowledge, of rules, of regulations, and good ideas, and thoughts, and concepts, but to be totally fixated upon the person of Jesus. The Bible says the cloud lifted, and they were all alone. In fact, one translation says it was Jesus alone. And I just want to say, as far as what we're doing here together, we will not build memorials to the wisdom of men. We will not anchor ourselves to customs, to traditions, to rules, to regulations, all which cannot produce a right relationship with God. So in that sense, they are absolutely powerless, powerless to grant a man or a woman a relationship with God so they will always, 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 always fall short. That is why we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate Jesus. We make much of Jesus. We will rest in His work, in His ways, in His wisdom. He is the way, the truth, the life, and there's none other. And so what does it mean to experience the power of God? It means to experience His presence. The power of God is to experience His personal presence presence. He is closer than a brother. It's not about what we know and don't know. It's about clinging to him. And so how do we get this rest? Is that we daily we deny ourselves. Not self-help, not like I need to do better, I need better. We don't. Here's here's the thing about some people get caught up in this idea. Oh, I, I hear this all the time. I need to, I need to like rest. I need to like for, I need to rest so that I can experience Jesus. So I need, so my, so my, my pathway to Jesus is through rest. No, 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 no. Your pathway to rest is through Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's not by getting rest and then not have Jesus because I've tried that. It doesn't work. It's Jesus. It's getting to Jesus. What is He doing? I don't know. He's, let's go find out. Let's pick up our cross. Let's deny ourselves. Let's deny of of our, 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 our the way that we think, our ways, our wisdom our own identity, our work, and let's follow him. Could you stand with me? I'm gonna pray for us. What if we built churches rest upon or that depended upon rest? Where people came and what they experienced was not this anxious, oh I gotta be better, I gotta do better, I gotta da, 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 da. but what they experienced was rest. And I'm not just trying to, to clean up my mess here. It's one of the reasons why that we can joke with the New York guys. Because it's just, it's just, man, it was family. Yeah, right, it's family. We're here. It's just like we're not, you know, we're not, no, one's, no one's taking me seriously, and no one's taking each other not too seriously, I should say.
1: Uh-huh. And we're
0: just like, hey, it's okay. What, you know, what, it, it's, it's not about what we do. It's not about what we don't do. It's about what he is done on our behalf. Almost in like a reckless, crazy way. It's just amazing what he's done. It re- he really has done it. It is. Fin- I mean, there's no, there is no discrepancy on the... Pr- he paid with his own blood. It, there's nothing that we can add to that. There's nothing that we can extend to that. And that causes us to be, oh, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay with what I've done and who I am and, and where I'm at. Does it mean that we don't pursue and with passion the things that he has for us. We're going to learn about that by the end of today. But it does mean we have a sense of rest about us. A sense of it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then when we feel anxious, it says what he it says. He it says, it says, it says it all over the passage. It says all over the Bible. And First Peter 5, it says, cast your anxieties yeah. out mm-hmm. But He cares for you. Yeah. You don't have to live with that anxiety. Psalm 46. He is our ever-present help in time of need. God always wants to help us. He always wants... And then the great burden bearer of Matthew, Matthew 11. Come to me. I want to, bear, I want to bear that burden. You know? Seek after me. don't, you don't have to worry about where you'll live. You don't have to worry about what you'll eat. You don't have to worry about where you go to school and all these things that you're just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? do? You don't have to worry about that.
1: Hallelujah.
0: You can deny yourself. And rest. May we may we build churches that feel like rest.
1: Yeah. That
0: people come amongst us and they feel rest. Wait, were you not you you worried about you know the economy? It doesn't look good, but hey, I'm trusting. And Jesus. wow, you know gas prices. Trust me. Oh, the, you know the president and this and this and that. And look what he's doing. Look what they're doing. And what's going to happen in November? Da da, da. Ah. Hey, rest. Not anxious. Not anxious about it. Whatever happens. What if they take this away? Oh my gosh. Da 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 da. Hey, okay. My trust is not in the wisdom of men, it's not in the policies and procedures of men, it's not in myself. So Paul says, Paul in 1 Corinthians 4. They were hammered on him to be different. I mean, I, I don't know if you have felt that in the past couple of years. Just hammer on to be this way and be that way. And you know, he felt like he was in a popularity contest and he didn't win. It. And he said, he says, what you think of me. I can't imagine saying this on a Sunday morning. He says to his people, what you think of me is a very small thing.
1: <laughs>
0: I just want you to know. What you think of me is a very small thing. But then he says this. He says, he says, but I don't even judge myself. I'm, what I think of me is a very small
1: thing. And he says this,
0: for the Lord, it's he who judges. So we minimize the voice of others. We minimize our own voice. We maximize the voice of God. And that yields rest. I'm good with who I am because he made me. Am I try, am I, do I think I'm perfect? No. no. I'm, Paul says I am the worst of sinners. But I'm still at rest. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about His work. It's about His way. It's about His wisdom. God, I pray, would that cloud come upon us again today? Would you clear things away? Help us to see you. Lord, not even good things. Oh, the law. The law is perfect. Wisdom, predictions, knowledge. Oh, man, those are good things. But God, even good things. May they not cloud out the one thing that we need, which is you. Help us to focus as leaders, Lord, in this in this world that is more and more becoming about us and them. May we be wholly yours. Amen. May we be wholly yours. May we be able to focus. May we have the kind of clarity to dial into you and what you say and who you are in Jesus' name. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray. Would you help us to focus?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank Brian? Amen. That's awesome. We needed that. And I'm excited to hear more on you. Yeah. Listen, if you're age between, uh, let's say, 12 to 17, okay?